We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. Six hours. So I hope you're comfortable. No, today the, ser- the service will not last three to six hours. We're going to give you the symbolisms. We're going to explain the parts, but we're going to go through it at a little bit quicker pace. And so today in front of you, you have a Haggadah, which is that paper that's in front of you. A Haggadah means guide or storytelling. And so today there will be parts of this Seder service that you will need to use your Haggadah And repeat the prayers, repeat those things with us today so that you're a part of this. And the word Seder means order. Order. The reason why we have order and the reason why we have a Seder service is to help all of us know what God has done for us. You see, so many times as Christians today in America, we do not understand the meaning behind all of the things that God has done for us. We need to remember, remember whenever Christ was having the communion, the last supper, the Eucharist with his disciples, he said, do this in remembrance of me. We need to remember all that God has done for us, especially during this Passover season, this festival, this feast that we're going through in our world right now. And so this Seder service helps us to understand that and also to remember all that God has done for us. And I had so many people telling me this week, texting me, calling me, telling me face to face, Pastor, I've never heard of a Seder service. So today, you're going to experience it. I've had other people say, I've never even heard the word Seder. So today, we want to make sure that we explain things as we go so that you have a great understanding of the order, the Seder, and the storytelling guide, the Haggadah. And so you have those things in front of you. And so at this time, we'd like to begin our Seder service. The first thing that would happen uh, this time of the year in a Jewish household is that everyone would gather together. And so if you'd stand with me today, you're, you're seated at your family dining room table. And so greet those around you with shalom. Tell them you're glad. Shalom, the peace of God. So greet all of those around you. If you see somebody you do not know, introduce yourself. Make yourself friendly. Yes. After you've greeted those around you, you can be reseated. It's good to have all of you in the house today. All of you sharing our family meal together. Shalom. The first thing that would happen in the the home would be a cleansing of all of the the leaven out of the house. Now, leaven meant and was always referred to and equal to as sin in the Bible. And so they would go through a cleansing of the house of getting all of the leaven out of the house. Uh, It would be uh, in pastas and breads, those kind of things. So they would go through the house and get all of the leaven out. And as the last part of cleansing the house... Uh, the mom of the house, the, the wife of the house, the lady of the house would take some leaven, crumble it up somewhere in the house, and then the husband, the father, had to find it. So how many know that that's probably why it took three to six hours for this event to happen? So at this time, I'd like to invite the lady of the house to come up and to, uh, she's not going to hide it today, thankfully, because I wouldn't want to have to look for it for very long, but she's going to take some leaven and she's going to crumble it up on the floor, and then as the uh, father, the man of the house, I've got to come along, and what they would do is they would use a feather because they cannot touch the leaven because the leaven is equated with what? Sin. So they would have a plate, a feather, and boy, she did a good job. (laughs) So now I have found the leaven, and it is my job to cleanse the house of the leaven. So I take the feather, 
and I put it up on this plate. She did a really good job. I can't touch it. Oh well, here we go. This could take a while. You get the you get the point. They did not have carpet. Probably had rugs. And she would not have crumpled it up on the rug. But then the father, the man of the house, he would then take the leaven with all the other men in the city and they would take it to the temple. And there would be a large fire there at the temple. And they would take the leaven and cast it into the fire and it would be consumed in the fire, burnt. All the sin would be burned out of the city. And then the man would come home to the house, bow out his chest, and say, I have cleansed the house of all of sin and all of the leaven. Because in those days, the women really didn't have much of a voice, especially when it came to all of the religious activities. And so the man would say, look at all the work that I have done. When in reality, the lady of the house had done all of the work getting everything prepared. The man just had a symbolic moment there. And that's kind of the way it is in most houses today. I'm thinking that the women do most of the work. And so we are going to do that. The next part would be the lighting of the candles. And the mom or the lady of the house always did the lighting of the candles. And it's so important that the lady of the house, the mom, would light the candles because this is referring to bringing light into the home. We all know that Jesus came through a woman. The light of the world was given by birth of a woman. And so the lady of the house, the mom, would light the candles, bring light into the room because she was the one who birthed light into this world. And so she would light the candles. We've, we've taken all the sin out of the house. And so now we are ready. So if you would take your Haggadah, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. It says this. You ready? Yes. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us by your commandments and has ordained that we kindle the Passover lights. Amen. The next part of the Seder service, if you'll notice before you have four cups, each one of you have four cups in front of you. And so we have the first cup that we're going to drink together. It is called the cup of sanctification. It reminds us today, as it did with them, that we have been set apart by God. We are not part of this world, are we? We are God's chosen people. And we have been set apart, sanctified. And so this cup reminds us that we are set apart by God for God. And so they would read Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, and it says this. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. Isn't that awesome? we need to be reminded that He is the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So today, let us take the first cup and let us drink together. Let's give God thanks for sanctification today. Father, I thank you today that we are your children that you have called us, that you have separated us, that you have sanctified us by your blood. We remember this today. And today we know that you will bring us out of bondage. And we give you thanks in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Next part of the Seder service is not only have we cleansed the house and brought light into the house and thanked God for sanctification, but now we need to wash our hands in preparation for the meal. So in front of you, you have a cup with clean water in it. You also have a bowl. So if you would, take that cup.
pour the water over your hands. The white cup with the water, the clear, the white styrofoam cup, yes, with the water in it. Take it and pour the water over your hands and wash them. This washing of the hands reminds us of how the priest would prepare themselves to go into the Holy of Holies. They had a cleansing that they went through. The Bible gives us great detail about that cleansing. It also gives us a reminder of how Christ handled the cleansing. We find in the New Testament that whenever Christ as our high priest was getting the disciples ready for this last supper, he didn't just wash their hands, but he took a towel and put around him and he washed their feet. In the Old Testament, the priest went through an arduous cleansing. If they did not follow it exactly, uh, there were pomegranates around the, the, the bottom of their robes and a bell, pomegranate bell alternating. And there was also a rope tied around the priest's foot because if he entered the Holy of Holies and had not performed all of the cleansing ritual properly, God would strike him dead. If they did not hear the bells, they would pull on the rope. If there was not a response, they would then take and pull the dead priest out. How many know that God is holy? And he says that we must be holy. We need to understand that there is a cleansing that we must go through as children of God. That we cannot just come bold and enter in however we want to. We need to make sure we prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, and be ready to enter into His presence because He's a holy God. And He really understands that the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ takes away all of our sins. Washes them white as snow, never to be remembered again. And with the washing of the hands, we thank God today for our cleansing and washing of our hearts and giving us a new life and a new hope so that we as priests of God today can walk into his throne room and lay our petitions at his feet. And today I thank God for that, don't you? That we don't have to wait once a year for a priest. That we don't have to depend upon his process to make atonement for our sins. But we can at any moment go into the throne room of God with a cleansed heart and ask him for his forgiveness and petition lay them at his feet today. So we thank God for that. Look at John chapter 13 verse 5. It says this. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He submitted himself as a servant. To wash someone's feet was the most lowly position in a house. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords submitted himself, knelt before the disciples, and washed their feet to let us know that we also need to submit before him become the lowest of the low so that he can forgive us of our sins and wash us and cleanse us white as snow today. The next part of the Seder service is the dipping of the parsley. On your plate, you have some parsley that is there before you. So I want every one of you to take a parsley. And there on the plate in front of you is a clear, small cup. And so take the parsley and dip it in there. And take a bite. We'll eat the parsley together. When we dip the parsley into the salt water, it reminds us of the salty tears of slavery. We need to be remembered that we were all once slaves to sin. And it caused us a lot of salty tears. Sin brings tears. Bondage brings tears. And so with the first dip of the parsley, we remember the bondage that we were in. We also remember the bondage of our forefathers and the Egyptians. All the tears that they wept for years, waiting for God to deliver them out of bondage. And so we dip the parsley and we eat it together. The second dip of the parsley, it refers to the drowning of the Egyptian army. So let us dip the parsley again in the salt water and eat together.
we are reminded that sin cost. <coughs> sometimes it cost us. Sometimes it cost others. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 through 31 says, When Moses answered the people, he said, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And that message is still ringing to us today. The enemy wants to destroy us. The enemy wants to kill us. But we stand firm in those moments. And we remember that the Lord will deliver us. That he will fight for you. You don't need to fight yourself. But stand firm. And be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. Coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel, throughout the night the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Wow. Isn't that amazing? God will stand between you and your enemy. He'll bring light to your pathway and bring darkness to the others. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. The Israelites went through on the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched his hand out over the sea and at daybreak the sea went it back into its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through on the sea on dry ground with the water, water of water on the right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Israelites. They saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord and put their trust in, in him and in Moses, his servant. Today, we need to put our trust in God. We need to trust God no matter what the situation looks like. To the Israelites, it looked like we have come to the end. But God says, I will make a way where there seems to be no way out. We need to remember that today. And this service reminds us that God will fight for us. That we are no longer in bondage and slavery with salty tears. But we also know that with that salty tears, God will take care of our enemies. Amen? And God will destroy. Not one survived of the enemy. And every one of the Israelites survived. And God will do the same for us today. He will cause us to win. He will fight for us if we are still and trust in God. So no matter what you're going through today, be still and know that He is God and He's fighting for you. Even though you may not see it, you may not feel it, it may not look like it, God will provide a way out. Amen. The next part of the service 
is wonderful because how do you keep children interested for three to six hours of a meal? Wow. Some of us can't even keep our children involved in a 10-minute meal. It's chaos. But during the meal, the father would stand up and, and in his place setting, there were three pieces of matzah bread. Each piece representing the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the father at this time would take the very middle piece of the matzah, not the one for the father, not the one for the Holy Spirit, but the one for the son. He would take the matzah bread and he would break it. He would then replace the broken part back. He would then take his napkin, hide this broken piece in the napkin, and then he would tell everyone around the table, close your eyes. So everyone right now, close your eyes, no looking. And the father would take and hide this piece of matzah bread somewhere in the house for later. You may open your eyes. So now the kids are involved because later in the service, later at the meal, the children are now going to have to search the house and find that matzah bread because whoever finds it will get money. How many know that kids like money? Adults like money. But we don't have any children in here today, so I may have to get an adult or two to look. We've got volunteers already. Because, they, hey, if I get money, yes. But they would find that, and that is called the afakoman, and that the afakoman means after the meal. And so the afakoman will be taking place after the meal. And so now the kids are involved. And also at this time, the children would begin to ask these four questions. The father and the youngest son of the family would have this conversation and the youngest son would ask this question. Why is this night different from all other nights? And the father would respond, well once we were slaves but now we are set free and we take this night and we eat and remember what God has done for us. And that's why this night is different. The second question. On all other nights we eat bread or matzo, but why on this night do we eat only matzo? Well, the matzo bread reminds us of two things. That we were delivered from slavery in Egypt and that we have new life. The matzo bread was unleavened. It had no leaven, no sin in it. It reminds us that in our new life, we have no sin in our life. In our old life, we had sin. It brought slavery. It brought tears. But in our new life, we are set free. We are no longer slaves. Thank God for that. The third question. On all other nights, we eat whatever vegetables we want, but why on this night only bitter ones? Well, it reminds us of how bitter the slavery was in Egypt. Your forefathers were made every day to work hard, making bricks for Pharaoh, making the mortar, slavery, hard work every day. And we need to remember the price that was paid, what people before us have gone through so that we today are free. The next question. On all other nights, we do not dip our vegetables even once, but why on this night do we dip them twice? Well, we're reminded, number one, of the tears that were shed in slavery, and then we're reminded of the deliverance from Egypt. We need to understand today that our deliverance was a purely act of love from God. God loves us so much that he went through all these things to set us free. And we need to understand that. And then finally it says this, on all other nights we eat either sitting up or reclining, but why on this night do we recline? Well, 
in the household, the slaves did not recline. Only those who are free were able to sit and recline at the table. You have padded chairs, symbolic of the pillows that they would sit on as they reclined. Slaves did not get the pillows or the soft chairs. Slaves were always sitting on the edge because at any moment they could be called upon to do something. But as free people, we sit back in padded chairs, soft cushions, and we relax at the table because we are free. We are not here as slaves. We are free men and women. And today we get to sit back and relax because of the freedom that God has given to us. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 13 says this. Read it with me in your Haggadah. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you, the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are determined the amount of lamb needed and in accordance with each with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they are to eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and the bread made without yeast. Do not eat the raw meat or, bo or boiled in water but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked within your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. On your plate in front of you, you have a chicken leg. In Jewish homes today, lamb is not eaten at Passover, but they eat chicken. The chicken that you have in front of you is roasted. Now the reason why there was so much detail is God wants us to understand and be obedient to his word. If these men and women were not obedient to every detail, the firstborn in their household and all of their firstborn of their animals, God would kill. This is very serious. How many know that God is a very serious God about his word and us keeping his word? And so they would take this lamb on the 10th day of the month, bring it into their home, inspect it for four days. For four days they would look at this lamb and make sure it did not have a defect. No defects. Perfect lamb. For four days they would feed it and take care of it. On that last night they would take and the father would cut the throat of the lamb in the doorway of the house and drain the blood into a basin at the doorpost. He would then take a hyssop branch, dip it in the blood, and place one over the top middle of the doorpost, and then one on the left and one on the right. This was symbolic of what was about to come with the cross. Because the blood, when it would run, would form a cross. The blood that was on the doorpost would be a symbol to the angel of death. When the angel saw the blood applied to the doorpost, he would pass over that house because they had been obedient to the word of God. And that is how we get the name, the Passover Feasts. When God sees his son's blood applied to our heart, the doorpost of our life, the angel of death passes over us. Sometimes the enemy plans to have things that come against us, but God's blood protects us from those things. 
and keeps our homes safe. And we need to be the leaders of our home and, and keep our children safe. And, and they would pass over. Then they would take that lamb and, and cut it and then they would roast it over the fire. And then they ate the unleavened bread because leavened bread has yeast in it and it takes time for yeast to rise in the bread. He said, don't put any yeast in it because you have to be ready at any moment to leave because you're not going to be slaves. At what time you don't know, God is going to set you free. So you've got to have your robes tucked. You've got to be ready to leave at any moment. So we don't have time for the yeast to rise. We don't have time for anything else. So when you eat, you be ready. And how many know today that points to the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? We've got to be ready. We've got to have the blood applied to our lives. We've got to make sure that our doorposts have been covered with the blood, that our sins have been forgiven. We've got to be ready today because at any moment, the Bible says when we're not even thinking about that it could happen, the trumpet could sound, an angel could shout, and Christ can return and rapture us up out of here. We've got to be ready to leave at any moment. The Israelites did not know what moment they were going to be told, pack up, leave, let's go. So they were ready at all times. Can you imagine year after year being ready? I can. Because as a, a minister today, my father was a minister, and I've been told for years and years and years, be ready, because at any moment, Jesus can come. And I'm still ready. I've got the blood applied to my heart, but he hasn't come yet. But I've got to make sure to keep the sin, the leaven, out of my life so that I'm ready. And so we are ready, knowing not what time we need to be delivered out of this world. I'm ready. Are you ready today? We've got to be ready. And so they would take this lamb bone before Christ. Since Christ, they take the chicken leg. And the leg was there because it was a bone to represent the unbrokenness of the bones of Jesus Christ. Whenever he was crucified and they began to see the sun going down and they realized we do not want these men on the cross because of the Passover feast and that was coming on. They, they came around and started breaking their legs because on the cross, the only way you would be able to breathe is to take and push up to get your lungs open up where you could take a breath and then, and then you'd crumble back down because of the weakness of going through the beatings and all of those things. And so if they broke the legs, they couldn't push up and so they would suffocate. So they came to the other two criminals, broke their leg, but when they came to Jesus to fulfill prophecy, they did not break his legs. He's never had any bone broken. And so today we have this to symbolize the unbrokenness of our Christ bone today. And we thank God for that. And so we remember this through this meal today. The next part we have is the unleavened bread. They were not given much time, so they had to have it ready. We have the bread, we have the chicken, we've eaten the parsley, and now it's time to give the second cup, its attention. The second cup is called the cup of plagues. There were ten plagues that God brought upon the Egyptians. And with this cup, we remember those ten plagues. And so if you would, every time I say a plague, would you take one of the cups, take your finger, dip it into it, and then have the one drop on your plate to remember each plague. You ready? The first plague was the plague of frogs. The second plague is the plague of gnats. The third plague is the plague of flies. The fourth plague was the plague on the livestock. The next plague is the plague of boils. The next plague is the plague of hail. The next plague is the plague of locusts. The next plague is that of darkness. And the last plague is the slaying of the firstborn. Now let us lift our cup and drink together.
Next on your plate, you have the bitter herb. So if you take a piece of your matzo bread, the bitter herb is the white in your plate. They used horseradish to symbolize the bitter herb. And so if you take a knife and spread your bitter herb, your horseradish on your matzo, Let us eat together. Horseradish is also known as the Jewish Sudafed. You may be thinking everything's pretty bitter so far. We have a bitter history. But the next is the Carl set. The Carl set was made with chopped apples, nuts, honey, cinnamon, and a little grape juice, beaten into a smooth consistency. And the Carl set that you have on your plate, this other one, it's kind of a pink. It symbolizes the mortar that they made. So if you take some of your Carl set and put it upon your matzo bread, and this will be a little more in jollop and in paddle. The next that you have is the boiled egg. It reminds them of the temple's destruction in A.D. 70. And so take this boiled egg, dip it in your salt water, and eat again. At this point, Everyone would recline in their seats because they are free and they would eat the meal together. So now you may eat your chicken bone, your carl set, your horseradish, your egg. Enjoy your meal together. Aren't you glad that you will not have to go out after church for your meal? The horseradish... We'll clear out your sinuses. <laughs> At this point in time, continue eating. At this point in time, after the meal, the father would then begin to say, it is time for the afikoman. And the kids would get so excited because they're about to find the afikoman, the after the meal celebration. And so the father would uh, ask the children, are you ready? And they would go, yes. They would get so excited because now they've waited for three to six hours. It is time for us to find that matzo bread that was hidden and we can get money. And so the kids would begin to scurry around the house and searching under everything. I mean, they would tear the house up under all the cushions, in the pillows, all around the furniture, under the furniture, around the house, in the bedrooms. I mean, they did not know where the Afikoman was, but they wanted to find it. And so, do I have one or two that would like to... We have some volunteers. Would you, it's up on the platform somewhere. Come and find the Afikoman. Were you cheating? Did you keep your eyes open? Or were you looking? Somewhere up here. And the kids would be so excited because we're about to find this. It is it's, it, not on my table. I hid it somewhere else. And it's matzo bread wrapped in a napkin. Wow. I'm better than I thought I was. <laughs> Did you find it? All right, she found the Afikoman. Woohoo! All right. Well, today you're going to get some money. Whoop, that's not money. Let's see. You're going to get some money. There you go. She's so excited. Everybody give it up. She found the Afikoman. Yes. It means after the meal. Luke twenty two nineteen says this. And he took the bread. Just a second. I lost it. Gave thanks and broke it. Gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
So if you would, take any of your matzah bread you have left over, and we eat in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. The third cup that we have is the cup of redemption. In Exodus 6.6, God said, I will redeem you. And the Father declared that through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Redemption means that we are bought out of slavery with a price. Aren't you glad today that all we have to do is say yes to his invitation to follow him? We do not have to pay the price. The price has already been paid by Jesus Christ. And so the third cup is the cup of redemption. He has bought us. We are not our own. We belong to him. So let us drink the third cup together in remembrance of that price. Can we just give God thanks for our redemption right now? Father, we give you praise today that you sent your only begotten son. We thank you today for our redemption. You bought us out of slavery. You paid the price so that today we can know you. It doesn't cost us anything. We freely receive because you freely give. But your son paid the price. and We give you thanks for it. Amen. Amen. Matthew 26, 28, Jesus said, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, at each of your tables, in the middle of the table, you have one cup. That cup was set there as a reminder that we are looking, they are looking for Elijah. God promised that he would send a messenger before Elijah. And so, at every year, they're waiting for Elijah to come. So at this point of the meal, one of the young children of the household would run to the door, and the father would say, is Elijah there? And the little boy would open the door, open it up and go, no, Elijah's not here. They'd shut the door, and the father would say, well, maybe next year. Maybe next year. And it signifies an anticipation of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, has, has Jesus come? Well, not yet. But we are ready when he shows up. And so that cup on your table is to be left there. It's a reminder to us that we are waiting. We are ready. We know that the forerunner, John the Baptist, has already come. And now we wait. We, we're ready. Should he show up at the door of our life, we're ready for him to be there. Malachi 3.1 says this, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. I love that word, suddenly. We've got to be ready. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Malachi 4, 5, and 6 says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord he comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. I can't wait, can you? And so now we have the fourth cup. It is called the cup of praise. So if everyone would take your fourth cup and hold it up. The father would then read Exodus 6, 7. It says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. You see, we've got to know who brought us out. The whole theme I've told you from Genesis to Revelation is this. I will be your God and you will be my people. And we know that today. And this cup is called the cup of praise. And so today because of the price that has been paid and we know that we are his people and he is our God, let us lift together and drink at this time. Now can we give God a hand clap of praise for his redemption? Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise. Thank you, Father. It's a cup of praise. We are no longer in slavery, no longer in bondage. We recline at the table as free men and women of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. And thank you for life and thank you for abundant life. When everybody drinks the fourth cup, the meal is officially over.
and all of the people in the house would stand together and they would have this declaration. It's in your Haggadah, the very back page, in bold print, in large caps at the bottom. Can you shout this with me today as we begin to understand this Passover week, this week that we're going through, the Passion Week from now till Easter? This is our cry today, right? You ready? Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Say it again. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Can we give a shout of praise and a hand clap? We're ready, Lord. Come on. Our clothing is ready. We're ready at any moment to leave quickly out of this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A time of rejoicing when we cannot wait for Jesus to return. In the Jewish is Halil, the cup of hallelujah, the cup of praise. We have been set free. And we know the past, but we also know our future. We know that he came as a light in darkness to your life and my life. He sacrificed all for you. Today, after going through this, how can we ever think that God doesn't love us? All of this shows a picture of how much he loves you and how much he went through to redeem you to purchase you out of slavery into freedom. No matter what you're going through in life, there are times the enemy will whisper in our minds, God doesn't care. God doesn't love you. God is not there. He will not help you. It's an impossible situation. And in those moments, we have answers to every one of those declarations. I know my God will fight for me. I know my God will deliver me. I know my God loves me because he has washed me and cleansed me white as snow. He was the paschal lamb. You see, as the family brought the lamb into the house for four days to examine it, on this day, we celebrate the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And for four days, that lamb was examined. For four days, they tried to find a defect in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And they found nothing. He was the perfect, paschal lamb. Without spot, without blemish. And because of his perfection, we too become perfect in him. His blood washes away all my sins. We've got to have our cloaks tucked. We've got to be ready because we know not what time the Lord will come back. And I pray today that your hearts are ready. I pray today that you're ready to go at the moment in the twinkling of an eye. So can I just pray over you as your pastor before we leave today? Father, my prayer today over this family that you've given to us. My prayer today is that we understand that you are a God of order. And this Seder ceremony reminds us of the order that you have. You're the beginning of time, you will be the end of time. You have placed all things in order for us. And I pray today that everyone standing here has invited you in as Lord and Savior. That the blood of your son Jesus Christ, that it flowed from his side, just like it flowed from the lambs while they were in bondage. That blood today still washes us if we put it on the doorpost of our hearts. Today still cleanses us from all our sins. And I pray that today we are ready for you to come. That we do not sit around and have plans that we've got to wait on that yeast to rise. That Lord, today we, we say, hey, we've got to be ready. We don't have time to put yeast in the bread. It's, we, we've got to be ready. 
We've got to be ready. We've got to be ready at any moment. I want to keep my heart fixed on Christ today. And Lord, as we begin this week of passion, you had the triumphal entry and, and then you were, you were inspected and they tried to find defect in you for four days. And after the fourth day, they began this crucifixion. You took stripes on your back so that I, so that we could have healing and it would not cost us anything. You paid for that by the stripes on your back. You were ridiculed, you were mocked. On the cross you said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And because of that declaration, you forgave Pharaoh, you forgave the Roman soldiers, you forgave the disciples who scattered, you forgave all the people of the city, you forgave us. And then you said, it is finished. Hallelujah. It is finished. Hallelujah. We thank you for finishing that which you start. For making relationship to where we can enter into your presence at any time we choose. And that now we are the temple and you abide in us. And I pray today that God, every person in this house is ready. We're ready. Because next Sunday we celebrate the resurrected Savior. Hallelujah. A cup of praise next Sunday. And just because you left that tomb, we have a blessed hope today that we too will see you face to face. Not through a glass dimly, but clearly face to face. And today we in anticipation live that way. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the whole house said, Amen. God bless you. Shalom. Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.